feel that you're a bit different from everyone else? You know, fitting in is such a deeply felt need, and it's an issue really for most people. This need to belong, to feel normal, is so strong, we will do awkward and even bad things to maintain it. Hi, I'm Pastor David, and this is Take a Knee. Thanks for joining me. It is 1971, and I'm sitting at, in my fourth grade classroom, and I notice something different. Up in front of the classroom is a set of scales for measuring people's weights and height. I was a bit nervous because it was announced that they would be, we'd all be getting weighed and measured that very day. So when this began, our names were called and our measurements were also called out to the rest of the classroom. And when it came to me, my numbers were called out and I was uh, much taller and heavier than most of the kids in my class. I heard some whispers and some chuckles and immediately I felt insecure and out of place. Now, I wasn't overweight, you see. I, I was just big for my age. Incidentally, as time would go on, there were some of my friends that ended up even taller and bigger than me, but it was just a matter of the fact that at that time in my life, I was growing pretty fast. But you know, at that age, no one really is, is meaning to do this, to make others feel abnormal or out of place. Just, you know, sometimes you have to look back and realize that that wasn't a good idea. But for me, I didn't like it. And I would do anything to fit in, to avoid this exposure of standing out. See, this is such a common occurrence. Nowadays, we work very hard, maybe too hard, to help people fit in. In fact, this very great human need is actually now used to manipulate people. Since no one ever wants to stand out and not be with the crowd, we have to, we have to do things in order to make ourselves fit. You know what's interesting? Is that they have done tests to show that people will do awkward and even awkward things and even hurt others or allow others to be hurt to avoid feeling being left out to not make the unpopular decision. Well, that is certainly a painful truth, no pun intended. Well, I want to get into some other things, but I don't want to get into psychology of this, the, 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 the psychology of this phenomenon, because I'm not a psychologist, just a simple Bible teacher and a life coach. If all of this is true, and I have no reason to believe it is not, then it is troubling when you think in terms of what is happening in the world today. In football, I was taught, and many of you may have been taught as a defensive lineman, that when the opposing pressure comes against you, they're trying to push you in a certain direction, then that is the very direction you should choose to go because that is where the ball is likely going to come. So such is life. When you see or feel the pressure being placed on a certain aspect of society or human behavior, perhaps that is where the deception lies. That's where you need to go and try to find out what's going on. Well, but since people do not like to lose or to cause a stir, rather than to feel the sense of winning or being a part of something that will win, then typically choose people choose the easier road. What I mean is to avoid the loss, to avoid feeling left out. You know, people are going to choose the winning side, whether it's the right side or not. 
See, no one really likes to be a loser or on the losing side. No one wants to fight what seems to be an impossible fight. We shrink back and would rather cheer with everyone else when, in fact, truth was mocked or even evil won the day. What I'm saying is this. We typically choose normal. We want to be like everybody else. We want to win, even if it means violating what we know is true or right. Well, clearly this is a big problem. As Christians, we certainly hope that we don't live this way. You know, we, as my friend used to say, you know, you can expect unbelievers to act like unbelievers, but, you know, you really should not expect Christians to act like unbelievers. But sadly, I think that without the Holy Spirit's leading and a deep understanding of the teachings of Jesus, we tend to shrink back and let evil go unchallenged for the sake of fitting in. Or worse, we cheer it on for the sake of being a part of the winning side. Most of this is based in ideologies that seem Christian, but in the end undermine Christianity. For example, the end justifies the means. You know, Jesus raised the bar of morality much higher than I think people realize. The only part of the gospel that they seem to hear or to recognize is that we are to love our neighbor. Love, 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 which is good. It's absolutely a major part of what God did. And God so loved the world that he, he sent his only begotten son. But few take time to really understand what Jesus meant by love. Jesus said this, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Now, this was putting together the Old Testament law in two statements, and as, 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 as Jesus would say that, look, if you do these two things, then you will be a man after God's heart, and you will be a man after man's heart. In other words, people will recognize your love because you would never do something to hurt them. But it goes beyond that. It's not just that we wouldn't go on to hurt somebody because clearly people do want and don't mind hurting others. But if this is the, the great takedown of this statement, this is the, the, the incredible wisdom of how Jesus put it. He said, if you treat others like you want to be treated, well, then now, again, this is, this is, this is wisdom from, from the ancients, and this is very much the heart of God. But when you think in terms of how you want to be treated, then we want to be treated pretty well. And so this goes right back to what I, I taught on a few weeks ago on the law of reciprocity and this whole idea of what comes around goes around and vice versa. See, to love others as yourself means that you would never do something that would hurt you, right? I mean, no one is naturally a masochist. So if you don't like being deceived, you shouldn't use deception if you thought it had a good purpose in the end, right? If you didn't want someone to steal from you, then you would not steal from them, even if you felt like they deserved your stuff. I mean, who thinks that way? Yeah, go ahead and steal everything in my house. You know, I'm glad for you. No, you're like, no, I, you know, you shouldn't steal from me because this is hurting me and my family. 
And so I'm not going to steal from you because I know how that would make me feel. I would never want anybody to do that to me. I would never want anybody to lie to me, cheat me, hurt me, hurt my family. So you know what? I am going to treat others as I would want to be treated. See, Jesus defines love in a way that seems selfish, but it's not. No, he's in the end, what he's doing is he's helping us to define it. Because, you know, everybody can define love in their own ways. And in essence, they call that existentialism, is that your good may not be my good. What I see as being what is moral is may not be the same of, as what you would view as normal, which is why we have the Bible, which is why we have the Ten Commandments, which is why we have the Sermon on the Mount, which is why we have Scripture to help us to define. And I love the way Paul put it. He said, you know, he says, what is godliness is evident to everyone. I thought that was interesting the way he put that. He said, naturally, any one of us would know what is good. Well, I tell you, we live in times where that doesn't seem to always be the case. You even ask yourself, you know, where are they coming from on the on these ideas of how they treat people or how they treat children or how they treat Christians or non-Christians or the rich, the poor, so on and so forth. What we learn is that we all have to stand by ourselves and answer for what we do, even if it means standing alone as Jesus did and as the disciples did. Jesus was swimming upstream, and the disciples were told, follow me, and so they did the same thing. They stood out. They were cast out of the synagogues. They were cast out of their, their families. Some of them lost their families. Some of them lost their homes. Some of them had to relocate to places where they might be accepted. It was a very difficult time for the early church, much more than most people realize. And Jesus told us that that would happen. And so to try to avoid the pain and the discomfort of what being a Christian is, or even just very least, if you're listening to me, to do what you think is right, you know, Right now in this world, we see boycotts and things that take place, and they have much more power when people do it together in large numbers. But you got to ask yourself, would you be willing to do it if you were the only one who is doing it? If you were the only one who stood up and said, I do not agree with this. I'm never going to buy that again. I do not agree, even if it hurts me, even if it means I'm limited in my access to certain things, even if, even if my entertainment's going to suffer. Am I going to be willing to do it alone, or am I doing it just because everybody else is doing it? See, my friend, we are called to be different. We're not called to be normal. As a believer, your faith is more likely to cause friction in this world than not. The world will push against you. You must push against it in faith, in hope, and love. We are not called to be like this world, even though we must live in it. And to not choose to be normal or want to fit into a world that is crumbling under the weight of deception and manipulation and evil is the better path. See, to be want to want to be free and close to the heart of God is not normal in this age. I mean, it is not normal to talk about Jesus. It's not normal to say, I know God and listen to God. I More and more, I don't know if you're feeling this, but do you feel that being a person who believes in the golden rule and 
a person who is trying to raise their family in a in a way that is not so confusing and tearing against what most people would see as being right and just and created order. I mean, we live in times now where ideas of sexuality and all things that are being challenged, and yet the scripture really, really speaks very clearly about. So there's a lot of confusion there, and, and to, avoid, to avoid the confusion, we, we, well, let's just go with the flow, and that way people don't notice us. We don't stand out. We won't be mocked. We won't be, be you know, unfriended, unfollowed. So, folks, we're not called to be like this world. We're called to be like him. To want to be free and close to the heart of God, again, is not a normal thing. It takes honesty. It takes faith and courage and, quite honestly, a complete dismantling of some of the half-truths that we've been taught to believe from bitter, envious, and narcissistic people. Facing this reality is not easy. I know it. For example, when I learned theology for the first time, I've got to tell you that I I didn't understand half of what I was learning. Much of what I just gave back to my professors was what was in the book. And it wasn't until I had to understand theology in the, in the context of my own life or as a counselor, when the Bible said that God is good and God is good all the time, but God is also a God of justice. I didn't quite understand that. So many things about who God was at first didn't make sense to me because it seemed to contradict what was my natural sense. And that makes complete sense because the Bible tells us who God is. God tells us who he is. And we can't define him. He defines himself. And yet we live in a world where people are trying to design God. We create a designer God. Say, well, this is the way I think God is. And it's like you have multiple, tons of of ideas of who God is and what love is and how people should be treated, so on and so forth. But God is the one who tells us who he is and that he's all-powerful, he's all-knowing, he's everywhere present, and he is a good, good God. And yet he's a God of justice and must punish sin because sin is death and sin is rebellion against the way he created things to be. And he knows that if we live according to the way things are created to be, we will be happiest. That will be the happiest place. So just some ideas in your search for truth that might help you. And asking some questions often leads you down the right road. Let me ask some of those. Are there any causes that you are fighting for that do not include biblical in Christianity? And this will help you on your journey of whether you're trying to seek normal or whether you're trying to be a disciple. So are there any other things in your life, passions, that do not fit into Christianity? Are they hate, laced with hate or judgment? And maybe they're not things that you have done, but others around you have. And that's the direction it's all going. Do you live your life through the experiences of your childhood? Or have you surrendered them to Christ so that they are replaced with his burdens. In other words, does so many of the things that happen in our childhood define how we look at this world and, and we define how we want God 
to be looked at in our life and, and, and through us. And so those hurts, those wounds, those deprivations, they can cause us to live a life that is not, it's not biblical. And yet we're passionate about it, but we're, it's being fed. This passion is being fed from brokenness, really. Do you live passionately for something that you know instinctively is unbiblical? Do you mistreat people? And I mean any people. You know, it, you know it, it, it's not real love for us to love the people that are lovable, our family, our friends. But can, can you love people that are unlovable or maybe would be your enemy? Are you still able to see them in the way that God does? Do you judge people based on the color of their skin? their place in life, their belief systems, their politics? Do you live two separate lives, the life you want others to see and a life that you hide? See, if you can answer those questions and come to a place that is more biblical, then, my friend, you will find that you're probably choosing a lot of your life, you're living a lot of your life based on trying to find a normal place to fit in to the rest of the world. Some people refuse to lose because they're natural fighters. Others have to be taught to fight through other motivations. Remember the movie, The Blind Side? The coaches were able to encourage Michael Orr's football play by tapping into his innate sense of protection. Protect that quarterback at all costs. Then he just simply became a beast. Jesus was tapping into our sense of self-preservation when he challenged our morality based on how we wanted to be treated. And I'm telling you, folks, in my mind, that is masterfully eye-opening. I hope you can see it, too. To live a life where we're not always fitting in, but yet we are choosing a path that follows in the way of Jesus, that follows his way, which is the best way, which is the way that works and will bring us the most peace and joy. In the world's eyes, it certainly is not normal. God bless you, and you have a wonderful, wonderful week.